No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. It's the day after Thanksgiving and you have seen enough mashed potatoes, turkey, stuffing, pumpkin pie and other gravy and whatever other shit to last you until next year at this time and you got family in town and you don't know what to do well i'm here to tell you what to do go to fire on the mountain here in portland three locations one on burnside one on interstate and where's the other one they also have two locations wait where's the other location here interstate burnside and fremont Fremont. Fremont. and what two locations where two locations in denver one in highlands and one in wash park yep Go check this out. These are the best chicken wings you have ever put in your face hole, ever. I swear, believe me, I wouldn't have taken them as a sponsor if this wasn't true. The absolute best onion rings you have ever had in your life. And all the locations have changing specials every month. So you can go to FOTM PDX or what's the other one? FOTM Denver. And you can go to PortlandWings.com. Or you can go to, what was the other one? I, I just had it pulled up. It was it was FOTMDenver.com. There it is. There to we find go. out all the specials that are going on. That was a little clunky, but we got through it. Yeah, no, we did. What do you want to say? Well, I just wanted to say that I love fire on the mountain. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That just was had to throw easy. that in there. Look, here's the deal. You want something good to hang out with your family. You want something good to eat. You got to take them somewhere. This is the spot. Not only is it delicious, but it's a really cool lounge place where you can kind of linger and meander after your meal. Yep. Have a nice little beer, a craft beer, and enjoy yourself. And an awesome place to have your holiday party, too, because you don't want nothing too serious. Like, you got to get dressed up. You're already with these people you don't want to be with from work. But you're at a holiday party, and you want it to be memorable and be delicious. Fire on the Mountain has a big space outside at some of the locations you can hook up. They also have their own brewery here in Portland. So you can get delicious beer, delicious wings, delicious onion rings. The I think the Fremont location has pizza stuff. So you should go check that out. And go online, order the sauces, order their merch. Check them out. Fire on the Mountain. Here we are. We're Here the, we are. We are at the holidays. <laughs> we it, are literally on Black Friday. They have, uh, the, the holidays are no longer around the corner. They are right here with us in the room right now. And you're going, I don't know what to get my friends and family that are into the Grateful Dead for, for the holiday. Well, go to shoptourbus.com or at shoptourbus on Instagram and check out the most amazing Grateful Dead inspired lot shirts, 
hoodies, stickers, pins you have ever seen in your life. My favorite Grateful Dead design ever is done by Shop Tour Bus, and it is their Steal Your Tape design, and it is their OG <laughs> shit. And I'm telling you, just go over there and check out what they got, because it's pretty freaking amazing. All of these come to you in a all-over printed box, or you can tell them to put a message, and they'll hand design it with a Grateful Dead lyric on the inside. There'll be a bunch of extras. You might even get a bootleg in there. What? what? You keep looking like you I want was, to say something. I was going to. <laughs> you said it all. You keep saying it all. You got it. Okay. All right. I'm going to just steamroll through this then. So when you check out at shoptourbus.com, make sure you put in the promo code NOSIMPLEROAD. All Why? Word, because you're going to get free shipping. Free shipping. And look, some places, and I won't name names, but when you make an order... The shipping is like half of what you oh my fucking gosh. bought. Yes. It's ridiculous. So shipping has raised a lot lately. Save on that. I was going to say shave on that shipping. But yeah. But save on the shave shipping. Shave and save. That's right. <laughs> Go to shoptourbus.com. When you're checking out, put in the promo code No Simple Road, all one word. Make everybody in your life happy that loves the Grateful Dead or is Grateful Dead adjacent. And when that person gets that, that bootleg, they are going to love you forever. Shoptourbus.com. Some come to laugh. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspy, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out.
simple road. Whatever, dude. You're rushing. I know what I'm doing. I am not Russian. I'm mostly Swedish. I am Russian. And some other things. I We're recording right now, obviously, because you're hearing my voice, and then that means it's recorded. But we're recording the commercials, and then I just went and did the outro for the show, and we never like did the in- introduction part, and I was just moving on. Well, actually, that's what we're doing right now. We're oh, doing the introduction. Yeah, hey, now. The intro Welcome, part. everybody. Welcome. What's up? Hey, Yay. we just got here. <laughs> this is Aaron. And Mel. And Apple. Welcome to the day after Thanksgiving 2022. Our guest on the show is comedian Phil Hanley, Woo-hoo. member of the Grateful Dead family, amazing brother, funny human being, and... And other stuff. That was that was. I ran out of gas. Well, he's an inspiring dude. Yeah, he's an inspiring guy, and he is a crack up. And uh, yeah, (laughs) right on. uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we are this out. Like I just said, this episode is is now out on Friday, Black Friday, actually, day after Thanksgiving. But for us, it is Wednesday, right? The Wednesday before before Thanksgiving. We haven't had Thanksgiving yet. We are. Um, patiently waiting for the stomach ache that you already have right now. And all yep. the festivities. Yeah. And I just wish to everybody, because on the day after Thanksgiving, I you always hope that there, everybody has a favorite dish, that there is like just a portion left of that pie or that dish and everybody didn't eat it up and you get to enjoy that the next day. What, what's your, what, uh, never mind. I'm not, we won't get into it. I'm not going to tell you because you'll make sure to eat it That's all. That's right. Oh, I know it actually. <clears throat> so Phil has a new special out. It is out on his YouTube channel. It is called Ooh La La. And look, this cat put a lot of love and hard work into this thing. I would love to see the No Simple Road family go over there and watch this. It's, one of the funniest comedy specials I've seen in a really fucking long time. And that is saying something Mel and I both, um, don't watch comedy very much anymore. No, it, I, a lot yeah. of it's just not funny or too political or a laundry list of shit. And yeah, this is definitely not that I enjoyed this all the way through. And I'm not just saying that cause he's on the show and his album. I love the title of his album. Listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon music, Pandora. It's called Phil Hanley. Please don't chit chat while I'm pursuing my dream. That's right. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. You know, it's always cool when um, someone reaches out to us that knows who No Simple Road is. And this was one of those times that Phil's publicist, I believe, reached out to us and said that he asked to come on the show. And fuck yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah, like, Please. I mean, it's very few people that we don't have on the show. And most likely if it's we don't have them, it maybe does, isn't a fit for our demographic or, um, you know, maybe we're too busy with other stuff at the moment. But when yeah, like when you have somebody that wants to be on the show. Absolutely. That's rad. Yeah. Especially and, someone who listens to the show. Yep. And it wasn't a stretch for us to have him no. on. Like this, this absolutely made sense. He's, he's part funny, of the No Simple Road family. Yep. And somebody this funny, like I, if you all haven't heard of him, you are stoked because you have a new favorite comedian now. You're welcome. That is <laughs> your early Christmas. He year. is hardworking. I want you to just listen to yeah. how, how much he performs and like puts himself out there. Like it is, like I said, I said it several times. He's inspiring. What were you going to say, oh, yeah. Apple? What were you looking at over Hi. there? Oh, I was just looking at also you can go because if you want to see more stuff other than YouTube and things like that, you can go to Instagram at Phil M 
Hanley, and he posts all kinds of clips up there all the time. Yeah. He does so many funny bits. He is a master. I've said this already. I'll say it again. He is a master working the crowd. You actually didn't <clears throat> say that already. You said it at the end. That's true. That now yet. I'm confused. Yeah, you'll hear me say this again later. <laughs> <you> guys- <laughs> he is a master of working the crowd, which, you know, and also we, we talk about that in the interview. It's kind of like how the dead did. You never see the same show twice. That's what's refreshing about Phil is you're never going to see the same show twice because there's different audience members. He plays off that, which brings to mind much of like Robin Williams did in his early career. You never knew what you're going to get. He he doesn't even know what you're going to get until it happens. It's spontaneous. It's improv. He is the jam bands of comedians. Yes. Yep. So we are going to get you to this amazing conversation with Phil, but we're going to do the business. Do a little bit, a little business. So follow us at No Simple Road on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go to www.nosimpleroad.com. You can get No Simple Road merch there. You can get a tarot reading like our friend did last week. Yeah, thank Dylan, you so much, Dylan. Um, Yeah, that's a one-hour tarot reading with me and Mel over Zoom. You get a whole bunch of stuff with that, and that is the perfect Christmas gift for somebody that you don't know what to get them. That is at nosimpleroad.com. Also, you can call 971-808-1524. That is the, the tepid, tepid line. line. And I'm going to say this. One last time, because the Taboos shows are over now, and I know two members of the No Simple Road family for sure were there. Were there. Nobody has called the Nobody. tepid line to leave a trip report. Well, at least we got one photo. And one little video yeah, from one, Nathaniel. Yeah. Thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you, Nathaniel. <laughs> uh, well, and, and John B. did text me oh, that, about it a little I, bit. Okay. 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 But, John B., but Nathaniel, a little thank feedback. you. Appreciate Nobody that. called the tepid line, so please... No Simple Road family, if you were at Taboos, please call in and let us know what you thought of the show. Especially if you were at the Billy Strings one. Hello, other people need to know about that that weren't there. <laughs> yeah, Instagram is not How enough. did that even happen? Like, what, he just floated down? Did he come from the side? Did they announce him? How did it happen? Was he wearing butterfly what wings? Did it, what song was it? And we know already because we saw the footage, but still, we want to know. From first hand. 808. 1524. Yeah, you've had enough time. I know your jaw was on the ground. You've had mm-hmm. enough time yeah. to collect yourself. Security has made you leave. You're <laughs> now at home. You've Mel. digested this and you can tell us about it. Why do you say Mel, Aaron? Because we're always the last people at the show because you are either picking up trash or journaling or hiding under a scarf. Am I wrong? No. Okay. This is true. <laughs> Mel is smart enough to pregame. Mel makes friends usually with the security. Right. So they're not as harsh. They do let us linger. I have a really good um, rapport. Rapport with security. <laughs> yep. yep. Mel's best friends with every security guard at every show. They deserve it, first of all. Anyway, anyway. here we go. I won't do second of all. Moving on with the. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate that. That's right. That's something you can do that doesn't cost anything for No Simple Road, and it helps other people find out about the show. If you are so inclined to do something monetarily for us, we would really appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com forward slash No Simple Road and sign up for as little as a buck a month and help us keep bringing you shows and comedians and photographers, photographers and musicians, entrepreneurs, and all, and, all of it. And all the stuff that you love listening to on No Simple Road, that's what pays for it. So that is patreon.com forward slash no simple road. And that's the business. So yeah, that's, that's all of it. And, uh, we, uh, are going to get you to this conversation with the amazingly talented, funny and sweet comedian, Phil Hanley here in a second. We have a special guest 
that is going to announce this, right, Mel? That's right. Who's the special guest? This is well, you'll have to, you guys will know once, well, if well, you listen maybe to they the know show. That okay. this is first time. All right, if this is your first show, um, our grandson, Jasper, is going to announce Phil. He is four years old and is the cutest kid that has ever graced the face of this planet. And I feel like Phil deserved the That's best a, that we could give him. I was him. just going to say Jasper is a conspit, conspit, constant <laughs> inspiration and is so funny and keeps us laughing all the time. This is the perfect person yep. to introduce Phil. Without further ado, no simple road trail if you feel handy. What's up, man? I'm good. I'm so I've listened to you guys for years. I'm I'm so stoked to actually be on it. For real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, well, I know you're a comedian. You're not kidding. <laughs> absolutely. Like I'm not like a huge um podcast person, but I, I do I I've listened and uh yeah, I know you guys are in Portland, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks, first man. off, would wow, you say you're man. a medium podcast person? Medium? I'm yeah, I would say I'm a medium podcast person. Yeah. <laughs> well, Phil, I will skip. The yeah, intros welcome then. to Shit, the show, hey, man. What's happening, man? <laughs> no, it's well, great to see you guys. Yeah, Apple, Aaron, Mel, and then Phil. For everybody that's listening, who do we have on? For oh, for me, uh, Phil Hanley. I'm a um, comedian, and I'm excited to be here. We're right excited, on. yeah, to be man. On, man. Phil, we've we spent the morning watching your special again, and right on man it's oh thank you so fucking Dude. good so I, thank good. you very much well, it's high praise especially coming from aaron and mel they don't get as much into stand-up comedy stuff and i okay this is the thing okay, I, we go. you've been cracking them up well right? i used to love stand-up comedy so much when i was younger and it's i don't think people are fun, as funny as they used to be <laughs> and i don't mean nobody but it's overall comedy hasn't been funny it's too yeah it's you can't really say things anymore um yeah your lips are kind of like you know tied and it's if you're not like self-deprecating then it's like other like i don't know it's just um i love comedy i love to laugh i'm always laughing but that medium has really changed i'm only 44 years old but it's changed since i was younger yeah it it's well part of it is like it's hard to, with music, it's so easy to put it into a category. And yeah. with comedy, it's so tough. And I was like that. Uh, I was always more into music than comedy. Like a lot of my comedian friends are like, wanted to be comics since they were kids. And, you know, talk about like, you know, reciting other people's routines and stuff like that. And for me, I was more into music. And then I kind of just stumbled into comedy. But it's tough because comedy is one of those things where like someone might not be your taste or you might not find someone that funny and then you check it out and then you're kind of like the, ne the next little while you're like i'm probably i'm just not gonna watch another special you know what i yeah. mean yeah so I, I feel like that happens it's weird it's just hard to kind of find someone that you're into or um it's yeah it's just so much easier with music because you can kind of put it into categories like uh if if i describe my comedy i'm like well, I tell kind of set up punchline stuff and it's autobiographical. You have no idea if you're going to find that funny at all. Right. What about the band? I could be like, oh, we kind of sound like Wilco, but we kind of jam things out a little bit. And you're like, oh, damn, I might, you know, really be into that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. 
but I do know, I do know um, what you mean. I, I love performing comedy, but I'm still more of a music fan than a comedy fan. I do watch it and I love watching my friends and stuff, but definitely more stoked to go to a show, like a, see a band player, more inspired by that. What's yeah. some of your favorite, like com- current comedians and maybe past ones? Uh, I mean, past comedians, like when I first started, I loved Mitch Hedberg. Um, I really loved, uh, when I started in Vancouver, Zach Galifianakis lived there Mm. and I had, he was just doing standup. It was before the hangover and it was before all that stuff. And I was like, I'd never seen anyone who like seemed so cool and so funny and like making fun of all the things that I kind of inspired to make fun of. Right. So, um, And then now, I, you know, there's a lot of like, um, I live here in New York and I work at the Comedy Cellar and uh, like I love David Tell and, um, you know, some of my friends like Mark Norman, Joe Liss, Sam Morell okay. are all uh, friends from New York that, that I really like watching. Right on. That's a, that's a huge so, jump. Yeah, so I'll go back to, to all of those that you said because I, uh, I, like I said, I love to laugh. I don't dislike comedy. I, the medium is lacking for me personally well i but think yeah. I, lo- I love to find something that can keep me cracking I, up i think because i don't get to do that with music yeah i think yeah if you i know? can help explain that i think that it's the lack of being able to say how you really feel about shit with fear without fear of hurting somebody's fucking feelings nowadays man and and you you really like you kill it with that <laughs> oh thank thank you and i am conscious of that like i realize that people are sensitive and, and, and stuff. And so I try to, I'm lucky that I don't really, I just basically talk about myself, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. even talking about myself, I, I'm, um, you know, super dyslexic. When I was a kid, I was in special ed. And when I started doing those jokes, people, the crowd would pull back cause they think they were like, I was making fun of kids in special ed. I'm like, this is my life story. I'm talking about <laughs> me. I, you know what I mean? And if nothing else, it's like, if I was, if when I was in special ed, if I heard an adult talk about what it was like, I, it would be really empowering. And I was also like, you weren't like, you know, fighting each other to be my friends when I was like getting dropped off in the short bus. So you can't now be judgmental when I try to, you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. I, they wouldn't be, I wouldn't be talking about this if it was a pleasant experience. Yeah. So seriously. It, 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 but, uh, it wouldn't make for good comedy if it was a pleasant experience either. <laughs> no, that's, that's the one that's, that's like my, be- that's like my favorite part of comedy. And I guess music must have it too. Certainly like the blues and stuff, but like if I'm going through something that's like unpleasant or like heartbreak or whatever, I'm going through it and it, it you know, it sucks. But in my mind, I'm like, dang, this is going to be a bit. Like, I'm gonna, and and it's, it's the beauty. It's the beauty of comedy. And it's the beauty of, um, I guess, like, different art forms have that. But for me, like, absolutely. Like, I, I uh, any anything, that's really where it comes from. It's it's odd that, like, something will just funny will happen and I'll be able to relate it on stage. But if, if I'm, like, heartbroken or whatever, I, I get, you know, a lot of material out of it. It's... Um, that, that's a great, that's my favorite part about comedy. It's, is it like a, thera- that is, yeah, is it like a therapy? Cause like you have it's, to be kind of emotionally strong to be putting yourself out there like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's funny because, but that's the stuff that, that people um, connect with. If it's like, it, yeah, if you, if they sense that you're going through something and that's kind of the, the good thing about comedy more these days that they want, 
that like kind of true experience whereas before the people would kind of just put on a persona you know right. it's like yeah um it now it's like like if i'm if i get dumped and i and I, and that happens like often or <laughs> it has happened a fair amount of times those shows are killer because i'm so raw and the audience immediately connects with that you know because they're like oh god you know this dude's struggling and then it's it's that's the one it's it, you got to get on a place where you're uh connecting with them so if there's something that that's that universal is like you know being dumped or whatever it's really easy to get there I, that I that's well that's one thing that we were to con- I, I was watching the he had a little clip on youtube like 11 minutes it was talking about how you sounds like you kind of stumbled into how well you work the, with the crowd it's amazing yeah. the way you work with the crowd the way you bring them into it and the way oh, you play you. off all the stuff like not a lot of comedians are good at doing that stuff and dealing with you know hecklers different stuff but can, can you tell us a little bit about how you found that yeah particular like set weird. of skills it's weird now i like to think now just just from being like uh into the dead so much i like to think like yeah i never do two shows the same either but right it, it, so I, that's that's helped me kind of embrace it and that makes me feel good when i i think that there's like I can have some twisted kind of parallel to them, but what really <laughs> truly happened was um, I started in Vancouver and there, in and around Vancouver, there's a lot of like gigs, but they would be quite tough gigs. Like one of the ones you'd have to like drive over the other side of the Rockies. And it was like um, this bar and uh, the, the, I would go on before or after the UFC fights. So the like credits would be rolling and then these bloodthirsty Canadians would be like, you know, they would try to keep them in the bar. Oh, so I'd have shit. to go up and do stand up. And <sighs> yeah, just jokes would just bounce off them because they didn't really want to take them in. So I would have to like address like, hey, you, you know, with the hat, da 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 da. <laughs> hey, you with it. So I would get I had to learn to kind of like each joke connect with the audience. And and also I didn't have you know, you're supposed to do like half an hour and I maybe had like eight minutes of material. Oh, so man. I would really try to stretch it out and really hope a waitress or a server dropped a tray or like something <laughs> happened. Most people would be like, Oh my God, that's going to ruin my set. I'd be like, thank the Lord that <laughs> that guy heckled me or that like, you know, something happened or, uh, you know, a fight broke out or whatever, because then I could kind of stretch doing that because okay. that's a terrible feeling not having enough material yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's that's yeah. scary what if you're like a musician you're like all right you got a two-hour time slot you got 15 minutes of 15, songs. Two songs. Like, yeah yeah, yeah mean- it's just yeah i mean i guess you would i guess yeah you would it's it's weird how like situate like tough situations like that really help you evolve and, and i think everyone you know there's certain aspects to stand up and i think that's that was just kind of the one thing that it just kind of happened um it just kind of happened for me so i think it was kind of situational and and also for me it's the funnest part um i always hear like uh or i've heard uh like uh bobby talk about like how music makes time disappear right and i've certainly experienced that at shows that beautiful feeling where it's like you know what i mean how long were they playing for and uh when i'm working the crowd you're so in the moment that time does kind of dissipate like that. So mm-hmm. for me, it's kind of most fun of the shows. I have the jokes and then whenever I can get out of the jokes and try to like get into the crowd, I always have the most 
the most fun. It It's a trip. Okay. You, you know, you're talking about your love of the dead and like it, they were so unique and spurred a whole genre of music that happened afterwards that, you know, it and no two shows are the same. All, you know, the songs relatively the same at the shows, but the improv is different every time. Yeah. And when Apple was telling me like he had watched that clip and, and I was thinking about it, I was like, holy shit, he's playing improv music, doing comedy yeah. on stage. Like oh, it's the same thing. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, it, the crossover is totally there. And, and I wondered that when he was saying, that, I was like, I wonder if that's from like listening to the dead and like being in that improvisational world transferred kind of, kind of transferred it over i i would love to like i would feel uh i just myself i would feel i feel kind of um not pretentious is the word but i i don't know if that's true but i would love to think that it's true and it's certainly i mean i for me the grateful dead is such work music like if i'm working on a big writing project and i'm writing for like 40 hours in a week I'm listening to the dead for 40 hours. Like I oh, they're wow. on always when I'm writing because, and it's funny, I can't listen to 70 shows cause it's just too much. Like it's too mind blowing. <laughs> I, get, I would get distracted. <laughs> so I got to go like 89 to like 92 is like a really good, sometimes I can go like 88, but that like 89 and 90, those shows are always on because they're great. I love that. I love that period, but it's not like, you're not like, like you know it's not you know i was thinking the um the red rocks eyes of the world where jerry's just like i, yeah. I couldn't write and listen to that you know what i mean like i couldn't but you know i can listen to uh that that period is always on and um yeah so i would love to think just through some ob- osmosis that th- there is some influence there because yeah i would i, I, I would well, love to think that the dead is magical so that I mean, they can give and and things can happen during those shows that we don't even realize are happening. Yeah. People are, it's not just in the lot that people are creative when they see the dead. It's their whole life changes. You know, you go into someone's mm-hmm. house and you're like, "Holy shit, what is this?" You know, like all this crazy yeah. memorabilia. Why is there an altar to Jerry in or the like, living room? Or like people's <laughs> clothes, right? Like, what the hell are you wearing? Like, this is rad. Yeah. So if you love them and you've been around them and you've seen them so much, like it has to sprinkle a little of its, you know, fairy dust on you somehow. What, what, yeah. was, what got you into the dead? I, I was, when I was a kid, I remember the first time I saw the dead, I was really, really into music from a young age. And I loved, uh, when I was really young, I loved heavy metal. And I remember hearing of the grateful dead and thinking, Oh, these guys gotta be like, so heavy. Same. <laughs> Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Same, both of like, it was totally not what I expected. <laughs> but um I I just I, I like I remember like hearing like say like Casey Jones and being like, whoa, this is such a cool tune. And I remember listening to it over and over again. And at some point I learned that Bobby was dyslexic. And up until that point, when you're a kid and you're in special ed back then, when I was a kid, the thing to tell kids to make them feel better was that Tom Cruise was dyslexic. And that meant zero to like that didn't mean anything to me right. but to hear that bobby was dyslexic and he was this musician and um it really meant a lot to me and i slowly got into them more and more and more mm. um and then when i got to see them live then 
that was it. Like that was just it. Like from that day on. Yeah. Same. What was, what was your first yeah. show? My first show was, uh, Hamilton 92. Uh, I was, uh, I was, I was young, but I was old enough to real, like there's that show for me. Cause they played the Friday and the Saturday and the Friday they played, I mean, it was just killer. It was killer. But they, the sequence that really got me was space, other one, and standing on the moon. I'd never heard standing on the moon oh, before. Oh, shit. Yes. Yeah. And it was the early 90s when uh, when Jerry would really lean into I'd rather be with you. Mm-hmm. And you just, every time he said it, your like, spine is like, just in the, <laughs> I'm getting chills thinking about it he now. Does. And then they, yeah. they went into Love Light. So, and it was the, it was the other one when, when they were like tweaking Bobby's uh, vote. So oh, he yeah, kind of sounded would, Daffy Duck. They would put, like, it would be like, yeah. <laughs> and yes. you're just like, whoa. <laughs> and I was uh, on lots and lots of stuff. And uh, <laughs> God, yeah, I, I just, it, it was, it, it probably was, and it's so bad, like, you know, to, to say to like a girlfriend or something like that, but uh, it really was the greatest night of my life. And like particularly <laughs> that those 25 minutes were the greatest 25 minutes. Like it was just so space was like, Oh my God, what's going down. And then the other one, which I knew that tune and then standing on the moon, I'd never heard. And I, I think obviously Stella blue, but I mm. think standing on the moon is the greatest love song. Uh, it's my favorite love song. And uh I can get emotional every single time. Like you just idea said of, it, and I got emotional a little bit thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. in heaven, but he'd rather be on. And and just the phrase "a back porch in July." Yep. I've never been in in somewhere in San Francisco on a back porch in July. I I love San Francisco. I've never been on a back porch in San Francisco, <laughs> but it paints such a vivid picture. It's so tangible what it provides. Right. And um and then love light. Uh, yeah, just you know, just Bobby, full force, Bobby. It was, uh, yeah, incredible. Those the whole show's great, but that. Oh, and there was a there was a shakedown. Yeah, it was it, amazing. Yeah, hell you know, yeah, sounds like a good show. Star. I yeah. we always let everybody's memory. When you're into the Grateful Dead, you remember your first show, especially so vividly, and yeah, because it changes your life. From that, you walk out a different person. I I remember my first show. The first song that really got me was the very first song they played that night. It was Feel Like a Stranger. And I was like, how do they know what I'm thinking? <laughs> and, then, and then at the end of the night, after like the entire, because I got puddled and dislocated from my friends and the whole thing. And Jerry sang It's All Over Now, Baby Blue at the end of the show. Oh, man. And I was fucking done. I, I, I get chills thinking about it. I, yeah. And I know what you're talking about, how like, I, I've been married for 25 years. I got two grown, amazing children. That really was the most impactful night of my whole life. I'm done. <laughs> 25 yeah, it, years done. Oh. What, what year was that? What, 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 what two, was the show? 21089 at the forum in LA. Whoa. And I didn't, I didn't want to go. And uh, yeah. And some friends were like, you of everybody we know, you need to go see the grateful dead. And I was like, "Eh, I don't really like them trucking. I don't care. And yeah, whatever. And 
the rest is history. I, and it's been like, like I said, that was the most impactful night of my life and informed everything I did after that. And it's a trip to me to think that a concert, a fucking rock and roll concert. Yeah. Can do, what, what do you make of that, man? I, well, I mean, I, I mean, you learned like any, and for what, this is the one thing it is. It's so impactful and it changes everything. Right. But the one thing that I always think about, uh, about the dead is like how, and it's, to me, it's such a metaphor for life uh, is like how say, feel like a stranger. If you took like, say it's like 10 minutes long. If you took like the seven minute mark where it's really going off, mm-hmm. you, you need all that other stuff to lead up to that. Right. And I feel like life is like that in a sense, like it's so dead shows are so representative of life. And each tune is like, kind of, does that make sense? Totally, like yes. everything leads or for like what I was talking about, that other one was so trippy. You needed that space to get to the other one. And then the other one. And I feel like it's like, um, my girlfriend was like, well, she'll be like, oh, I wish we met like five years ago or whatever. And five years ago, I was, you know, in a dating someone that wasn't particularly pleasant. But I'm like, I needed that experience to fully appreciate her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that that to me is like when, you know, when the dead jams out a song, when they get to that really the part that just, you know, there's liftoff. You need all that other stuff. You know what I mean? You need Bobby to flub the one lyric and then to come back in. And the, you know, like it's so that and and that kind of starts making more sense. Just the longer I kind of listen to them, it's I, I but but to that one event, I don't know. I guess it's like. I don't know. To me, it's like, say, like the like your first dead show is like up there and above, like, say, like losing your virginity or these like monumental things getting your driver's like whatever the monumental things in life are to me like your first dead show just changes everything especially now that you know jerry's not we don't you know get to see him right yeah and it's it's also equally as strange that people are still getting turned on to the music and going back and listening to old shows and that same magic is still alive recorded on a a disc or a computer or whatever that that whatever that energy or thing is is still there and reaches out and grabs people still f- like 50 whatever years later it's it's i know it's so incredible and you still yeah i mean you're so lucky if you got and particularly if you got to see 89 i love 89 i love 89 and 90 so, so much good. that's such a gift to get to see uh to see them then but yeah, like it's absolutely. I, I still think that you you could not have seen uh, the dead with Jerry and still, you know, have that much love and devote that much time, like listening time and, and energy and stuff like that to them without that, which is, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's such a testament to them. It's, it, it's so funny when like I was, I did a podcast early. I've been promoting my special all week and I, I did a podcast and, and people, the, the host was asking me about the dead and he was like, Bring, he was like, well, what's your favorite song? Oh. And it's so, <laughs> but that's like a normal thing it for is, a normal band. Right. It is. It, it, it's such a, di- you can't even, you know what I mean? So, well, it's it's like, like, it depends on the day, what I'm going through. That's what I was going to say. It's more like, what's yeah. your favorite dead song today? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. mood what's are you in? What's your favorite dead song today? 
what show yeah what like it's so much you know what i mean it's there's so many factors that it's so hard to kind of kind of tap into that it question, and if you that, that question is tell me you're not a deadhead without telling me you're not a deadhead <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely totally i'll tell you what one of my favorite things like so you saw jerry and we had it, it's weird getting older like aaron says he's 50 i'm 53 <laughs> And we go to all these shows and you see younger people and it's not like a bragging thing, but we have like a badge. Like, like yeah. you meet younger people and they're like, you saw Jerry, didn't you? And, and they want, they're so enthusiastic. They want to hear about it. Like, yeah, like what, I get it. Like what? And oh yeah, totally. But it's just a trip getting older. Like me and Aaron realized that it was, that was like five years Shoreline ago. A few years we went ago. to Shoreline to a show and we're sitting there in the lawn and we realize that there's all these young people, you know, seen dead and company down there. Yeah. And we realize there's like kind of a, it's packed, but we got a little buffer around. Us. There's like, you know, nobody's getting real close to us. And then this one younger well, we couple, smell really bad. yeah, <laughs> this one younger couple is, a, is it cool if we set our blanket up here and like sit next to you? And we're like, yeah, of course. And then we realize it's like, we're the old dudes now we're like the yeah. elders and they're paying us like respect and we're we're like make a come on get in here man yeah, let's yeah, dance totally, like, totally. It's, it's just a trip to you know growing up and seeing jerry and then getting older how you know what it is now you, you know you just gave me some dead knowledge that i never had though i didn't know that bobby was oh, bobby i didn't know that either uh, yeah bobby's dyslexic and if you when you watch him play he approaches guitar like a dyslexic because is like i've brought friends to to um to shows and, they, and they're watching bobby and they're like what's he doing because he's playing like a g chord here and there and there and there and there and there. like it's just he's got he's got such a unique uh approach do you play instruments i don't i i did play music like years ago i was never it wasn't really um n- not ever really you know professionally or nothing like that but um yeah, but it's, I yeah, I, I, I would love to, I, I wish when I was younger, maybe I studied it more or something right. like that. Because yeah. part of the reason I would love to understand music now is to understand what the dead were doing. Like, you know that when they would build the tension and the whole mm. Coliseum would exhale, <laughs> how the hell did they do? Like, I would love to know enough about music to know how they would build that tension and release I think Which, if, even if you did study, you wouldn't know. I, I, I honest <laughs> to God, that that stuff is like, I'm not sure they knew. Isn't it? Because I mean, there are other bands that that try to do that, and there are other bands that come close, maybe. But with Jerry and the, there was these moments where I'm like, how did you make everyone exhale? Like everyone exhaled at the same time, mm-hmm. and everyone was yeah. like in the same. It was such a so weird how they started, you know, taking acid and getting in that group mind. And then it like spread out to everyone in Rich Stadium. Like, yeah. how did that occur? I, it's so I, wild. I think that, I mean, what the fuck do I know? But to me, that's part of the magic of psychedelics. Because we don't, we don't know. Look, those chemicals have been created by scientists in laboratories or, you know, chemists or whatever. Yeah. That's what we know. That's it. And then also there's psychedelics that nature has created. We don't really know what that shit is. Some people think that mushrooms are alien technology that came through space and landed on the planet. Like, yes, yeah. it's, it's encoded with messages from outer space. Who the fuck knows? So like you release all that 
unknown chaotic unknowingness into 20,000 people in a stadium something's bound to happen yeah, absolutely yeah and have everyone focus on on one thing yeah. you know and and you know being mel actually taught me this was like i i always wondered why everybody in the stadium would feel like jerry was singing to them right and like why yeah. this was such an impactful thing like how is that possible i'm not experiencing that when I go see, I don't know, we just went and saw Green Sky Bluegrass the other night. I didn't feel like that. Paul Hoffman sang all night. Didn't feel like that yeah. one time. Yeah. Um, and Mel actually told me, she was like, well, that's the same thing. Well, I thing mean, it was just a, it's not like gospel. Well, no, but it, but it made sense. <laughs> but it made, like, yeah. um, you know, that's the same thing that people are experiencing when they sit at the feet of a guru, like um, Ram Das when he met Neem Karoli Baba where everything disappears and your life changes in that moment. And yeah, you feel this like universal love and everything that that guru says is for you in that moment, right then and there. And I was like, Holy shit, that is that thing. And I don't think that the person is in charge of that. I think that's that other coming through. I, I, I agree with you. And I think, yeah, because there's no, there's, you can't explain it any other way they yeah that jerry just had that thing i mean he just had that thing that i guess people that are chosen on a certain level have like mm -hmm. i mean you can't it's just wild i remember once i was dancing i had my eyes closed and all of a sudden uh it was in um it was in ohio somewhere the crowd just went nuts and i turned to my friend i'm like what happened and he goes jerry lifted his leg Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> like the crowd just like yeah and the reason why was because at what was it everyone was focusing on him like if you go to any band any band that's playing right now chances are the whole coliseum isn't going to be focusing on that one player you know what i mean yeah. even yeah. if it's a solo even if the spotlight's on the like you, you you know you're looking around or whatever but everyone erupted and it was because yeah jerry lifted his leg Dude, like I that's just how focused people were <laughs> on him you know it's so funny Why? you have a story about jerry lifting his fucking leg i got same thing beginning of the show the band takes the stage and the crowd they haven't played a note the crowd's going ape shit and i turned to the guy next to me and i was like what is going on same thing and he's like dude jerry's wearing shorts <laughs> same. it's gonna be a hell of a night i'm like well I, nobody told me that when jerry wears shorts it's gonna be a special <laughs> yeah. evening like i guess i know that now it's, was it a special night? I, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it was, but not for me. I, I lost my shit that night. I, oh no! I fucking I, I, the guy next to me gave me some some Gatorade, and uh, I I wasn't tripping that night, and uh -huh. and after I took the sip of Gatorade, he was like, "See you later," and I was like, tripping. "Oh no!" Oh my god! And, really? Uh, and by the like beginning of the first song toward they were gonna like the last song of the first set i had completely lost my mind i was like trying to find my way out of the venue i couldn't get out i couldn't find the door whoa uh, I, I couldn't get out at set break because i couldn't figure out how to step over people and then when the second set started i ran for the door and yeah i was crying to security like <laughs> please let me out <laughs> yeah 
Oh, dude, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I mean, shit, it happens, man. Sometimes, sometimes he's here it, now. Like, he's yeah, fine. It's good material now. <laughs> sometimes yeah, the true. shit gets ahead of you, man. You know, yeah. especially if you're not ready and, and you weren't prepared and like your head's not right and whatever. Oh, and yeah. You're going on a ride, motherfucker. I, yeah. It's it's wild that that was uh, that that was the thing. I've never been uh, I've never been dosed. There was there would be a time in my life where it would be the best news I'd had in right. a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now, like I don't. I now I would just be I would be I would be vengeful. I would really not if I, I would need to really prepare myself. Right? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, and. In the moment, it was one of the worst nights of my life. But I'll tell you what, in hindsight, like now, that was one of the best learning experiences I ever had, ever. Like what I learned in that trip that night, I've carried with me for the rest of my life. Wow. Like I I learned respect for my elders that night, like big time. And uh, and like how how that community cares for each other and watches out. I, I wouldn't have ever made it out of that show had it not been for a couple of older heads with long gray beards and long hair that like, we're like, come on, brother, let's, let's get you out of here and make sure you're safe. Like that. Oh, that's I learned amazing. Everything that, yeah. About that, that night. And that's special. You know, that those, let those hard lessons are good. I'm sure. And, and that's true with life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Um, yeah, totally. But, uh, I hate the thought of, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. I hate it the thought of you in that place, man. It sucks. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. as you get older, like we've talked about, you know, we still like to trip when we go to shows and stuff. But as you get older, I, I've never been dosed in my life either. Nobody's ever given me anything and like unexpectedly, which that I, I wouldn't want that, especially when you're no, older. No, neither would I. Because now when you get older, like you pregame for it. You, you eat better before, you know, uh, like a couple days. Yeah. You start preparing in your mind. You eat better. You try to get a little bit better sleep. You know, you have a routine. Yes to be in the right mind to be able to accept that and enjoy it. Yeah. So man, yeah. I, if somebody dosed yeah. me now or say, I'd probably get mad <laughs> a yeah. little bit, you know? Yeah. I, I, like, like even afterward, like even if I had a good trip, I'd be like, man, don't fuck with me like that. Yeah, that not cool, bro. That ain't cool. No. Yeah. Where, whereas when I was a kid, I would, I would like my friends would be like, okay, I'll come pick you up. I would dose. And then like my parents would like come home from work. Like I would like, you know what I mean? And I'd be like, Okay, see you guys. And then you get in the car, you'd be like, Do I look tripped out? And then you'd be fine. If I did that now, I would look all night and be like, Oh my God. Like, no. Like you would just think about these things. Whereas you're when I was a kid, it was like, you know, whatever. You're just you can roll with it a little bit more. You know? Yeah, you can roll with it a lot better. I know me and Aaron both when we were younger, the m- most shit I ever got from my parents is when I was sober. When I was straight, they thought I was fucked up because I was yeah. fucked up enough. They were used <laughs> to seeing me fucked up, so that was normal. And then when I'd like be out of weed or whatever and shit, then it'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? You're Nothing. on drugs?" Totally it's like, fine. "No, I don't have any drugs. Can I get forty bucks?" <laughs> shit. You know, I I would think that that feeling of anxiety. I guess is what that is would be equivalent to walking on stage as a comedian for the first time. Like that's gotta be fucking terrifying brother. It dude, it, it, it is uh yeah. Like when, when I first started, um, cause I, it wasn't like when I was a kid, I was in drama or anything like that. I had no experience. Right. And it, it's so why you would wake up with like those first, like 
maybe like hundred shows or hundreds of shows, you'd wake up and your first thought would be like, oh, I got to go on stage tonight, you know? And yes. you, you slowly get used to it to the point where, I mean, I, I don't, I've done it for, you know, like 18 years or something. So I've done it wow. so much that I don't even, uh, I'm aware, like last night I had three shows. So I like tried to sleep in a little bit because I knew my last set was going to be late or whatever. But besides that, yeah, you, it kind of just becomes part of your day. Mm. Um, and you get a little more like hyper-focused or whatever, but unless it's like TV or certainly for my, you know, recording my special or something like that, there'd be uh, a little bit of nerves, but yeah, you really, um, you really get, you really get, you, you really get used to it. Really, o- Over I, time I, you would get used to it. For I sure. guess, I guess that is, that goes kind of the same as doing this. Like when we first started doing this, I would be panicked. You know what happens when you are panicking? What? You can get dope weed to help chill you out. Okay. Where or, would I, where would I go? Apple. Apple. Well, if you're up in the Portland area, you could go to define premium cannabis. What? Yes. What would I get? Well, it depends on what you wanted. You I'm come a in, little paranoid. I need to just chill out. I need to relax. What can I do to get rid of that edge? Well, the first thing I would suggest would be would be gummies, CBD gummies, and and the THC gummies are one to one gummies. There's so many ratios out there. Nerd. But you're if you're feeling panicky, the one of the first things people always ask, what is the most immediate effect? My question would be, do you smoke? If you don't smoke, we've got to go other avenues. If you smoke, there's nothing better than flour for that immediate, immediate kick in of flour. It, right. It's the so fastest that, way to get it to your system. Well, th- um, my point in asking was this is what you're going to get. You're going to get personalized individual attention for what ails you. And that's what Apple does. He'll ask a couple questions and then hook you up with the perfect smokable or topical or whatever it is that you need for the to set the mood right. And there's two locations here in the Portland area to serve you. There's one in Hillsboro, one in Forest Grove. If you want to talk to Apple personally, you can go into the Hillsboro location Monday through Friday. He will come out of the back dressed like a pharmacist with a stethoscope around his neck and he'll take the stethoscope and put it on the case and find the perfect cannabis product for you. So go check out Define Premium Cannabis, everybody. They're our sponsor. You should get high and go check it out. And now we'll get back to the interview with Phil. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Before we were sitting down to do an interview, I would, we would all feel his anxiety. Yeah, yeah. and I, and it would whether we had it or not. Now we did because he's sorry. like, <laughs> yeah, I would just be yeah. like charged and like, uh, and now it's not like. Well, that. now it's comforting because yeah, I look forward to. I it. think before and maybe this is with comedy too, like you're not comfortable with yourself yet doing the thing. Mm. And as you get more comfortable with yourself doing the thing, you're comfortable. <laughs> so no yeah, matter, yeah. Who, so no matter who's there or who's coming to the show, I'm comfortable. So they're going to be comfortable too. And even if it's like, 
a lame show or a great show, the comfort is there, you know? And yeah. I wouldn't say we've had any lame shows. I can't no. think. I can't think back on what, what are you going to, which, what There's are you been a couple of We've stinkers. had a, we've had, I wouldn't say stinkers. We had a couple kind of weird ones. That's weird, what he, weird he is used not to bad, always wor- worry about before. Like, where do we, cause we, we don't prepare other than knowing the person we're going to talk to, looking at material kind of like we did with you. We've all heard of you. I've watched your stuff before, but I jammed everything in this morning, like crammed again to have it fresh. Yeah. We don't prepare one time. He prepared a list of questions. And that was one of the interviews that was not That's that good. That's the one that comes to mind when anybody he, ever He had a list of questions, and so he was, it was not organic. It didn't flow. Uh, but the person, we, we didn't know a lot about the person, so he kind of did it to prepare. But we just like going into it and letting it go where it goes and having and a conversation. Part yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's one of those things where it's like, after you learn that it goes well enough, then you just kind of take, you know, get comfortable with it. You just kind of have faith that it's going to be fine. So what, yeah. what, but what was the, like, I've never thought to myself, you know what? I think I'm going to try comedy. What, what, what was the, what was the thing? Well, it, like, I think a lot of it um, was when I was a kid, I couldn't read in school. I was forced to just be there anyways. And it was so boring. So <laughs> I, you know, cause you'd be like, we'll read 20 pages. And then I would be like, okay, I can't do that. And then he'd be like, and then we're going to talk about it. And I'm like, well, I didn't, you know, like, it was just in both parts. Oh I couldn't God. participate. Yeah. So it was, and, and it was from first grade to, you know, grade 12. So, um, I would recess or lunch, whatever. I think I was really dying to communicate with people. And then, um, when I was a teenager, we would, you know, we're partying and, and I was always kind of just like a smart ass or joking around or like, you know, and um, I thought that was just I didn't think it, I didn't think of it as a talent or any ability. I just thought, you know, I was outgoing or whatever. And then I took an improv class once and I, as soon as I made the class laugh for the first time, it was this crazy epiphany because I was like, oh, this feels making strangers laugh feels the same way as making my friends or my family laugh. Oh, it wow. blew my mind. I thought that was just a thing that I shared with my friends. Right. And then I made these like strangers laugh. And then like, this is like this church basement of this like improv class. I was like, Oh my goodness. And that kind of set me on my way. So I did some improv and stuff and that was fun. And then I tried stand up and right away, I just, I just, I just loved it. And, and, um, that's yeah, it really, it feels good to connect uh, with people and to make people laugh. It's just fun, you know? It's, oh, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. it does feel good to make people laugh. You're right about that. When, I mean, anybody, a dumb dad joke, it's just a quick witty comeback, <laughs> and somebody genuinely, like, belly laughs or laughs, yeah. you know? That is... Like, like I said earlier, I freaking love to laugh. I love that being where you're, I can't. You're the biggest con- laugher in the house. Yeah, oh, yeah. I am the Mel's biggest. the best <laughs> audience. We can say the oh, dumbest. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, we can say the dumbest shit sometimes. And she just loses her shit. And we're like, hell yeah. All right. you know, I wasn't even trying to be funny. Because sometimes it's not even about what they say. It's the delivery. You know, sometimes yeah. it's not about such a funny, you know, content. It's about delivery. And I live with three guys. And. I, I love women. I'm not hating on women, but women are not as silly. 
on a regular day in day out basis. Yeah, I know if I'm by 12. if I'm by myself all day, I'm not going to be so silly, but if I'm with the guys all day, I'm definitely going to pull out some silly stuff. And so <laughs> it like helps me to stay fun and young and dumb and yeah. silly. And I I love that. It's the best feeling to it, genuinely like be able to laugh from nothing. She has yeah. a, she has a laugh that permeates concrete. the concrete, and yeah, she has one of those laugh. laughs that's good. Like you hear through everything, and it's infectious. Oh, that's you want to get up and go see what's so damn funny. You would like definitely be calling her out at a show. Oh yeah, yeah oh yeah. Yes. I, I'd be in the back, be like you need to come up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's beautiful because I mean it's just it's like positive energy yeah. going yeah. towards the person. You know what I mean? Like to get to make someone laugh or. Um, yeah, I got it. Yeah, it, it it just feels good. I got to ask you a weird question. Um, sure. So being dyslexic, I, I've heard about it my whole life. My nephew is dyslexic. What what happens when you try well, and, when you like when a dyslexic person tries to read? What is well, that? it it's it's um it it varies. Like it's such a big it, like it's like there's like a spectrum to it. Okay. Uh, for me personally. And, and the thing, as I get older and as I learn about it, it does affect kind of every aspect of my life. And mm. to start with the initial thing was you guys, a non-dyslexic, you can identify a symbol with a sound. So you see a letter and you just innately know what that means. So I, you could see a word you've never seen before and just ballpark it and get either bang on or really close. Right. I cannot identify a symbol with a sound. So any word I know, any word I write is a word I've memorized over my life. And so I can like, if it's a compound word, then I can put it together. Like if there's a street called Greenwood, I can put it together. But like streets or last people's names are often words that um, I've never seen before. And I have, I would have no idea. Like when I'm reading, I, and I get to someone's last name, I, I, I would have no no clue like it wouldn't even have to be in english like that's how far away wow. it is yes so but with some people you know they talk about letters are reversed and 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 stuff like that um so how do you reconcile that you know like you're not, not in grade school anymore and you said your entire like up to 12th grade you were in these like special classes like yeah at any point are you able to kind of get it or it's just always like that regardless it's it's all like so now as i get older and as i you know i have interests and i force my i force myself to read for a certain amount of time every day and i'm just memorizing more words so i can read i can read better because i've just memorized okay. more words but there's really you can't learn like for me and i i work with an organization called eye to eye and they work with a lot of dyslexic kids like throughout the states and um for me when i talk to like um, teenagers and I'm just starting to do that talking to dyslexic students and stuff it's just about building there's like remaining the self-esteem because you get if you're in school every day every day and everyone else is doing this thing and it's such a passive activity you point your face at a book and everyone else gets it and when you do it nothing occurs you know what I mean it just builds frustration oh, so yeah. the important thing is just keeping these kids to have self-esteem so when they get out of school you know they can go on to all these great things because dyslexics are often, you know, more are very creative people and stuff like that. But it's just kind of school is just simply not designed 
for dyslexics. And I'm, unfortunately, like, you know, how that's sad. just what it is. How, for, okay, so a question about, like, your parents. Like, were they, like aware and were they like frustrated with the system like did they, how like yeah because i'd be so pissed and not, oh, not mad at yeah. the teacher necessarily but like do can we do something, do something yeah. for my baby yeah well that's the, like that's the key and that's why i mean this is such a bummer but like the percentage of people in jail and stuff like that in prison that are have learning disabilities is so high because if they don't have a parent like like you would be i'm sure where you're you know, telling your kids, no, you're smart. It's just, you know, it's unfair the way the school is designed and stuff. Um, you know, so my parents really, my mom was like such an advocate for me and would go in, they'd always want to fail me. And my mom would be like, well, no, he's, he's smart. He just can't read. And um, so she really helped and would come in and my dad would always be, you know, always kind of instill that I was smart. It just was, the system wasn't designed for me. Um, but some parents aren't like some parents don't even want they don't want their kid to be labeled as dyslexic because they think of as it as a fault. Yeah. And uh, that, I've that's seen that a, before. That's, yeah. That, and that's the real problem. Like, yes, reading's a problem and the school system is a problem. But if you can keep a kid to feel um, like, I mean, for me, Bobby being dyslexic, I'm just like, are you serious? Like, yeah. just find them something that they and, and really instill in them that they are smart because if I meet a kid and they're articulate and personable, but they have trouble reading, but you can tell they're smart, then they're just like, like, it's really easy to tell. But back when I was a kid, it just wasn't as, they weren't as um, kind of uh, aware of it and they weren't as open. Yeah. But even now I was talking to my friend and, and uh, her daughter uh, goes to school in California and she's like, you know, always having to go to school and try to explain. And some teachers are cool with it and understanding and some teachers aren't. Um, but yeah, it's tough. The, the, the real thing is really uh, instilling um, confidence. So, confidence in your kid mm. and maybe finding something that, that they are good at, you know, outside of school. So they can maintain that self-esteem. Yeah. The, the bit in, in your special about sounded out, like it's funny <laughs> what you said, but that's fucking yeah. sad, man. Like a teacher's just yeah. like, like that. No, that'll like, fix it. Oh. Yeah. Well, and teachers yeah. are like that with average kids. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of yeah. hard and like figure it out or whatever. Like they think that they're pushing you in a certain kind of a way. But I remember yeah. like anytime you get singled out and it's not positive at school, your ears start to get hot and your cheeks start to burn and you yeah. start to get a little sweaty under your armpits and you just like want to freaking devolve back into yourself disappear into your own navel (laughs) yes i would i would sit in third grade i had a very old school teacher and not a not a particularly kind woman and she would like every day we'd read different paragraphs and i would count you know 12 okay so i got the 12th paragraph first i would hope it was small and then i would just like try to just like learn to read while the other students and it, it was never successful but, um, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, it, the crazy thing is I'm now, um, like after we're done talking and before we were done talking, I'm writing a book about dyslexia and, um, listening to the Grateful Dead while I do it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, always. And it's funny. I've, I've, over the years, I've become friends with different people and I'm friends with this, uh, professor and he's not dyslexic, but he's an expert on dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I'm like, Whenever I write, I have to listen to the Grateful Dead. And he's like, 
it makes sense that you, that he explained it in a way that I'm not fully smart enough to understand. But he's like, yeah, like you, it, it makes sense that there would be something else that would, excuse me, help you keep going. That's and um, yeah, and the dead's perfect for that because you can check, you can kind of. I know the music so well that I can check out and then come back in for like you know a verse or a chorus and then yeah. check Let out it, again. It, it's yeah, yeah. But what's and your favorite song? Kinda, no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's actually like like a life hack for you. Yeah. Figuring out that you can listen to that and be like focused and able to do whatever it is, whether it's write your comedy or your book yeah. or study or whatever. Like that's pretty it, incredible that you mm-hmm. were able to figure that out. It's it's such a gift and it and it keeps me light because I mean writing for me is super tedious but it just keeps me in a good mood and um yeah it, it yeah it's yeah it, it just it just keeps me you know in the right place to be creative or to be funny or you know yeah that's i mean yeah that's a gift and for somebody that's not dyslexic writing is hard so yeah. to find anything that makes it a little bit easier fuck i'll take it you know yeah what what made you want to write a book on dyslexia what happened there i i I was like i was presented with um an opera i was presented with the opportunity and i started writing this like proposal and it took like four years to write this proposal and and then we we sold it last year and i started doing it and doing the what really kind of drove me was doing the research for it i started reading books that other people had written about dyslexia or different uh learning uh differences and uh it was blowing my mind it was like it's like when we talk about going to a dead show it feels so good that i don't get to you don't get to talk about you know jerry giving you goosebumps 20 years later with average person right right and it was the same with reading these books about different people just like i'm like oh my god i thought this was such an individual experience and it it was shared by these people so I really wanted to write something that that uh, people could read and be like, oh, my God, I go through that. And also I wanted school is terrible. But when you get out of it, if you're dyslexic or if you struggle in any way, you're like a coiled spring because you you weren't able to do these things. And now you can, you know, gear your energy towards something you can do. And so my book is like the goal is for it to kind of be the positive side of struggling with this because. Um, I mean, if I wasn't dyslexic, I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. You know, wow, I, I yeah. wouldn't be living in New York. I'd still be in Canada. I wouldn't have been able to go to City Field. Like, I wouldn't just see the dead and co. I wouldn't. There's all these positive things that I get to do. Be, I wouldn't be do comedy. I wouldn't get to tell jokes. I, I'm sure I would have just got like a the same job that my friends got, you know, growing up or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I, I am grateful for it. <laughs> or, that, been, or been a lawyer like your brother. It, it, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So I'm so, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, be dating the same person or hanging out with my friends that, you know, I'll see tomorrow or, or whatever. So I'm, I'm, it turns out that it's, it was, it, it is a, a gift, but it just was, you know, took a long time to kind of unwrap to realize that it was, you know, wow. you, you had to figure That's out what, how it was a gift. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I needed the, yeah, I needed the perspective of, I mean, it's still like, uh, you know, if I was meeting someone tonight for dinner and they say the name of the restaurant, 
I have no, it's an Italian name. No clue. I have no, I can probably guess what letter it starts with, you know? So it's like little things like that, where you're trying to put it into Google maps and you have no idea. Like you face these frustrations kind of every day, but overall I'm like, thank goodness that I'm dyslexic because again, yeah, I wouldn't be chatting with you guys right now. That's, wow. that's what a perspective. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's and healthy. I mean, that's... I would imagine that your motive, your um, comedy could easily go into motivational speaking. Oh, really? Yeah, because mm-hmm. everything that you were just saying about the book and about how it felt as a kid, even someone who's not dyslexic, who's had something happen to them as a kid, can really yeah. understand what that feels like. That kind of like I was talking about earlier, about that embarrassment, that heat or whatever. Yeah. And then to turn your exact Achilles heel into your a blessing yeah. and to uh, something that you're actually passionate about, you know, like there's plenty of dyslexic people out there who aren't talking to dyslexic or professors that are like, you know, dyslexic, um, you know, have this incredible insight. And so it's almost more than just comedy that dyslexia has really given you. It's like giving you this um, positivity for learning differently and, and to be, and put it out there. Oh, well, yeah. Thanks. I I mean, I I would love to think that it, um, would yeah, I would love to the idea. I've never really thought of it like that, but I would love to think the idea that it would motivate someone or or help. It took a long time to get that perspective, but I mean, I really think like anything. It doesn't even have to be a, a like a learning challenge. Anything you go through, you at least you know you build empathy and you all of a sudden understand people better or people that have been through the same thing yeah. or you know. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that, like you just said, I think comedy is motivational in its own way. Because of like knowing somebody like the jokes about the ex-girlfriends, that this and that, the not having a dog as a kid, you know, people relate yeah. to that and get something out of it. And then this all speak. I had a question about this, too. But first, I, it, like I went last year and I saw Chappelle here at Moda Center in Portland and people were walking out like arm and arm saying this is what especially after the pandemic, it was like yeah. that, that was truth. Like they like that's what this world needs more is truth, and he's definitely not afraid to say what the hell he no, thinks no. or to who no. or whatever and everything. Yeah. But then, then my question out of that too is that in, in your stand-up special, did you had to follow Chappelle. Was that yes? Th- yeah, that, that I, has I, to be nerve-wracking. It, yeah, it's 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 that's the. I mean, that was so. I started comedy in uh, Vancouver, and I love Vancouver. I love the West Coast, but. My, part of my motivation to move to New York was getting to see, you know, uh, I'll, I'll at the comedy cellar, my home club where, where I, I perform every night. I, I get to see, yeah, like Chappelle is there and Chris Rock is there and Amy Schumer is there and uh, Louis C.K. is there. And like all the kind of, you know, these people that are kind of the best at what at, at you know, what, what yeah, I do. And, um, yeah, it's really it's very, very uh, motivating. Hmm. But okay, wait. You just said you perform every night. I yeah. I mean, I do. Yes. If I might take now with the book, I might take like, uh, like say tomorrow for example. I have a writing deadline, so tonight I'm not performing. But I when I'm doing stand up, yeah, you perform every night. So you go on the road. Sometimes if I'm performing on the West Coast, if I fly back to New York, I might take that night off if I do like a cross country flight. But yeah, you generally perform every night and. And could easily, you know, do a few shows every night. Yeah. Wow. A few spots. It's, 
I'm just dumbfounded at the amount of things you have to be able to say for seven nights a week, six, even, okay, even if it's five nights a week. Four yeah. nights a week, let's say. That's <laughs> a lot. Two nights a week. But seriously, like, that's a lot of content to come up with, make fun of, uh, I riff off of, well, like, whatever means- you want to say. That's a lot. Yeah. That's well, a lot you, of memorization. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. Well, you, you work on, so, like, during, in the city, in New York, the spots are only, like, say, 15 minutes, and then on the road you'll do like 45 to an hour each, each show. And you, but um, yeah, you, you, well, you work on jokes and you try to get them. I'm always trying to get them as concise as possible. So to take out, okay. you know, any exchange word and then try to get them like, so yeah, you, you, you know, you try new stuff each, each show, but you're also kind of just like doing, you're doing a lot of the, the repetitive of the same material just to try to get it. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. right. Like sometimes you'll have an idea and you're like, I know this is funny but I'm not explaining it right. Or I'm not, they're not connecting with it. I'm not using the right words or the right timing and everything mm. just to get it just right. You have to do jokes kind of over and over again, the way you would rehearse a song or something. Yeah, I was going to, I was thinking like you're a lyricist basically. Yeah. That's. Oh, I've never, uh, yeah. I've never Truth. thought of it like that, yeah. but it, there is, there is a similarity to, to a song in a certain way. Yeah. Um, mm. Chris Rock, for example, I always think is his, his, style is very song-like because he'll go back to you know what I mean like he'll be like deadheads love to eat carrots and then he'll be like deadheads love to eat he'll keep going back and he'll talk you know whatever the thing is yeah but yeah you know he'll keep going back to explaining the concept or whatever so it seems like a chorus but yeah in in a way I think there are similarities to to songs for sure and you know, working that those rooms where those big names are coming in, like I know some local musicians and stuff that like, you know, the upper tier bands will come to watch them play and they're shitting their pants when those guys yeah. come. Is is it like that for you? Like, does that put pressure on you when you know those guys are in the room and you're like, fuck. Uh, well, yeah, like it's, it's weird because the way, the way the sellers set up that often they're, there's like a bar and a restaurant upstairs. So often they're up there, but um, yeah. Like if you're like, if I'm about to go on and I know that like Chris Rock is going to go on after me, then you'll like, okay, so he'll probably catch the last three minutes. So you might be like, okay, I might try some new stuff at the beginning, but I'm definitely going to close with some bangers because You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want the beginning um, of Chris Rock's thing to be about the last few things. He absolutely. Used. Absolutely. The crowd absolutely. booing you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I man, I, I can't w- wait for you to come out to Portland. Next yeah. Time. Is there oh, some, dude, I, 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 I haven't played Portland in, in years. Uh, but uh, yeah, I hope to soon. I love, I love Portland. And it'd be so it'd be cool to hang in person would be wicked. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That that was my point. We need to hang out, man. It, and uh, I don't know when the next time we're going back east is. Uh, yeah, we're not making it out for New Year's, but um, yeah, we'll have to stay in touch for sure. So, before, oh, yeah, 100 percent. I want to hear about why why this specific um, comedy show is so special. The special? The, the, yeah, the one that you're promoting. Oh, well, I mean, so I worked those jokes um, 
you know, you work on, on that set for, I worked on it for a few years and you kind of put them together and you put the order together and stuff. And then so you get the date when you're going to tape it and you kind of like, um, so the, the goal is to tape, to, to work on that set for however long and then tape it and then kind of start fresh. So those, mm. your goal is to kind of tape it when those jokes are kind of at their best, like peaking. you know? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, rewrite like a new hour or whatever. That's always the goal. Wow. Wow. And uh, you got, you got some gold with the people that were in the audience too, man. That, oh yeah. Uh, th- there was thank some, you. That, yeah. Couldn't oh, ask for better you. shit. Thank you. I, I, that's that element, the crowd work element um, is something that I wanted to be in, in the, in the special, just because that's a part of my live show. Right. And but it's like I, I when I was putting it together, not to make this parallel again, but I always think of like how like the dead could never re- like the studio could never capture what a live show even. I mean, it might have given you a little bit of a hint, but not not real like that energy mm-hmm. or whatever. So to capture crowd work is, is weird. I realized while I was doing it, I was like the audience is aware there's five cameras. The audience is aware it's going to be a special. So they're not like as loose as they would if it's just oh, yeah. me in a club. So as I was, and I'm, it's dawning on me, I'm spending all this money. I self-produced the special oh. and I'm on stage. I'm like, Oh, this is a different vibe. Of course oh. it is. Cause it's like, I have like that. I just, uh, we had the set designed and all this stuff. I'm like, uh, so, um, but I did get lucky. I taped two shows. You tape two shows and then kind of, you know, put them together. So I got lucky that there was a couple people in the crowd that didn't really feel the stakes in the room or whatever. So <laughs> I had some fun interactions, but um, uh, yeah, well, thank Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That was the one thing that I was like, it is hard to capture. I wanted a special and maybe I'll try to do it again next time where it's like, I want people to feel like they were just came to see me in a club, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, did, it, it did feel like that. The, and, and Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, thank totally. You. Totally well, the, felt like that. The other, the other thing I love, one of my favorite things with comedy specials, and this also goes to songs and movies. It's like when, when it, when I first watched it, you usually know the title comes from a bit within it. So the, the ooh la la, like I'm waiting because that comes a little later in this way. Yeah. I'm like, where and, and that and no medical professional should ever say ooh la la. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that, yeah. that, that bit was hilarious. Fucking. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank man. you. Yeah. That actually occurred that bit. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. That's that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, so that's again, making lemonade out of lemons. Like, yeah. Yeah. As that much was as a very, possible. that was a very, uh, unnerving uh morning uh, <laughs> and, like and especially because it was the pandemic just started and new york became very eerie and empty and everything was really surreal um but uh yeah when i came up with the name when the name Ulala, so much of those things is like thinking of the name and and it, it sucks when you, you know when you have a name for something and it sucks when you're not quite there and when i had that name and i from the bit i was like oh i it felt good because I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I, I got, I got the name. That's the one thing I don't need to worry about now. Where, um, where can everybody go to support you and see it and all the stuff, find your dates and whatever. Oh, cool. Well, uh, to see the special, it's on my YouTube channel and I please, uh, I beg people to, to, I, it's free. The, the special's free. Just, uh, if people could subscribe, that would be great. Cause that helps. Okay. Um, 
you know, me promote shows and stuff. But, uh, and then my Instagram, I try to be active. I try to post a, either a crowd work clip or uh, a clip from my, from my special every day. Um, so Instagram and then my YouTube channel, uh, YouTube channel to watch the special. And then uh, my Instagram, I'll always promote shows and stuff. And, and I put my shows on my website too, philhanley.com, uh, but my YouTube channel. So just Phil Hanley and you'll, you'll see the special Zula lots right on the top. Cool, man. And, right and uh, when you do book a Portland date, please let me know. You got a place to stay. You don't got to stay in a shitty hotel. Oh, sweet. For real. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. And uh, I, are you the one that does your Instagram? I, yeah, I'm doing my Instagram. Yeah. So please. Um, I'll DM you, you my phone number. Me, yeah. 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 And then I'll give you my, my number back. Okay, and cool. uh, yeah, that'd be great, man. Right, man. I, I, I can't wait to hang in person. Also, thank you so much. We, we we love that when we first come on. It makes us so comfortable that you were, like you said, you're a listener and you've been listening for a while. A, a lot of times, but podcasts, like you said, a lot of people, it's not their thing. And to, to hear that you've been listening for years and like we're looking forward to being on the show means so much. Yeah, man. Man. Oh, dude, <clears throat> Apple, I was so stoked. And I, I'm doing a, you know, a fair amount of press and podcasts. And this one, I was so excited to talk to you guys. And yeah. also, I don't, I, again, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so I don't, I'm doing a lot of stuff that I haven't really listened to or I don't know. Right. And you guys, I, I know the format and I know the podcast. And uh, yeah, for you, I mean, I, for years, because I, I remember when I first heard of it, I loved your logo and No Simple Road. I was like, that's such a great name. You know, again, coming up with names, right. that must have been a eureka moment where you guys were like, no simple road. It was this a fuck. It. it was a fuck. You have to tell him. You have to tell him. Really? <laughs> yeah. It, so I was gonna. It was the lyric is there is a road, no simple highway, and oh, well, th- yeah. There's, there's check a, it out. <laughs> and and it was in the very first episode. I said I think we're gonna call the show No Simple Road, and just didn't catch it, and went on. And I released the episode, and as I was listening back to the first one, I was like, oh fuck, I said the yes. lyric wrong. That's crazy. Well, I mean, that's a dyslexic thing. Really? Uh, that I must have had because I've, I always thought I would sing along with that song. And then an hour later think, Oh no, simple rose is a great name for a bike. I didn't realize it was a, uh, yes, you made a mistake. Cool. Yeah. And it, it was a beautiful mistake. Yeah. 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 And he does all the logos and stuff too. He, yeah. And I just oh, want to cool. say, I want to say Phil too. Thanks for being so open about everything. I know you are in your comedy, but you know, when you're talking about yourself in a conversational or interview format, it's a little different. And so just thank you for that. Cause I know that people out there that are dyslexic or even not can appreciate that. Cause mm-hmm. it just helps when you have more information about something you don't know, it's so much more helpful when you're going forward in life, you know? And yeah. I appreciate you explaining that. Cause you, like you said, it's a, it's an umbrella, it's a spectrum. So, you know, most people think, Oh, you can't read or you see, like you said, you see words backwards or letters or whatever, like, we don't know. So only people that are able to tell us or, you know, um, bold enough to tell us we get to figure it out. So thank you for sharing that and mm. giving us a little bit more info Fuck going yeah. forward. Oh, thank Yeah. No, thank you very much for, for letting me. Yeah. yeah man. Man. And same I, thing when the, when the book, when, when you get to the point with the book or anything, anything you're doing, like Aaron always says, I'm yep. saying at this time, let, let, let reach out so we can help promote whatever yeah, you're man. doing. Oh, that'd be stuff. great. Yeah, man. And be, I, I want to share, um, I want you to send me on Instagram the date and the place of your first show and I'll send you mine. I want to listen to yours. Oh, 
dude, I would love I for you hear. to listen. Yeah. yeah. I would love for you to listen. One one last thing about my my first show. Yeah. Um a young man, very just tripping, tripping. And the we get to Cobb's Coliseum. As we're about to walk in, the doors fly open. Uh Hell in the Bucket is playing. And a guy who, thank goodness, he didn't look injured. He looked like he was probably just having a bad trip, was being, like, carted out. But, like, it was, like, doors open, dude coming out, hell in the bucket playing. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a, like, whoa. Holy shit. Real, uh, yeah, going to hell in the bucket. Couldn't If there was a, a oh video for it, that would have been... It. I wonder yeah, if that's an enjoying the ride. Moment. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> All right, brother. We love you, man. Thank we'll talk you, to you yeah, soon. Thank you so, so much. I'm so grateful to be on your 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 podcast, and I can't wait to hang in person. Yeah, Heck man. Yeah, Looking man. forward yeah, to man. it. Have a great night. Right on. Have Thank a good you. writing Thank session. Man. Too. Later. Thank Peace, you. Phil. Bye-bye. Dope. He was fucking dope. Uh-huh. That, that was fucking that was fucking great. <sighs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I love that as soon as that, and we're recording this right now after what you just heard. And we just listened back in the last thing. Dope. Fucking dope. It's just funny. It's just funny. It is just funny. So, I mean, you just heard that you need to go check out his special. You need the, the ooh la la. Mm-hmm. You need to go check it. There are a lot of clips out there. Phil has been around for a while doing stuff. And he is one of the tops in the game at playing off of the crowd and the audience and engagement with them. Yep. And uh, if what? you are um, in Michigan or Texas um, between the 1st and the 10th of December, go to philhanley.com and check out the dates because he's going to be having quite a few dates during uh, the 1st through the 10th of December. You know, it, it felt really good to have Phil on the show. It just felt good. Um, it was really cool to hear that he listens to no simple road. That's like, I can't think of another time that that's happened. Can you guys No. when we, when we went to introduce ourselves, he's like, Oh, like, I know who you are. I've been listening for a while, no, man. I can't, I mean, I, I know that other people have listened to the show, but I've never, we've never had anybody say that to us in the beginning of, of a conversation with them. And it automatically put me at ease because we didn't have to explain who we were to him or like get through the intros of the our dynamic and all that shit. Like the he, he knew what to expect. It was inter- excited yeah. to do it. Yeah. It was just like immediately comfortable and on we went. And I love the fact that he is so transparent about his learning difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think that's a disability. I think that could be, you're just wired different. Well, I mean a disability in the sense that like everybody has like, can read and then he can't that's that's the part that's hard but he's made it like part of his superpower yeah yeah. and the fact that he's writing a book and he was saying how hard he has a time reading books and that's like a huge f you to any type of dis-ease or whatever right it's like fuck you you don't you don't know me (laughs) you don't control my life i just think it was really admirable and uh inspiring totally and there is something to talking to another deadhead too. Like it's, you have this shared experience that transcends anything that you need to explain to each other. It's just a, a knowing that you both have that like, I don't know. 
It's really it's like, having, cool. like having an inside secret, like an inside joke. You just already are you kind of have the same mind when it comes to a lot of things yep. in life. Yep. And it really uh, does shape how you behave and, and interact with people. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a different vibe for sure. And the other thing that got me with Phil is like. A lot of comedians are depressed, kind of sad people yeah and he did not strike me as that that he seemed very uh, happy and cool and upbeat and like a lemonade maker you know total uh lemon into lemonade and that is like i said a second ago inspiring but like how cool to bring comedy into your life and your tragedy yeah Yeah. that to kind of like okay like another f you to try like okay we broke up well you know what i got a new bit out of it now (laughs) yeah Yeah, man that's more material right there those sad things so yeah it's just cool when people are able to not wallow in their their shit shit. and you know what maybe even you do wallow in it but you still find the pearl in there somewhere you you heat up the mud that you're wallowing yeah enjoy it (laughs) no you know what everybody i want to say thanks for hanging out with us on the day after thanksgiving yeah i hope you had an awesome thanksgiving hope it was great and that that weird uncle didn't do the weird uncle thing and that your family all got along and nobody talked about politics and i'm gonna say this because this is important. Uh-oh. No, it is important. Um, I'm seeing people all the day, all day um, shopping for Thanksgiving. And there are some people out there that are in your family right now that have different dietary restrictions as you. <laughs> and who cares, right? No big deal. Everybody, that's the, your prerogative. But when you're hosting and you don't have alternatives for the people that you are inviting to your home, it is hurtful to other people. Like, the person that's coming that can't eat what everybody else is eating, they're not trying to be a jerk and being like, oh, I don't want to eat your food. They can't eat it for whatever they've reason. And to not offer alternatives is really sad. And it just, I've been dealing with that all week. And then I had another person today that mentioned that. And she like looked like she was so sad. She's like, I'm cooking my own Thanksgiving because I'm going to my relatives and they don't care. Aww. And she's like, they'll have a salad. And that's it. And it really bummed me out. And our wonderful, beautiful friend, Tiffany and Ben, um, have several times thanked us for having options for them when they've joined us for meals. And I just want to say these are not just a few isolated events like, you know, everybody is already doing so much on Thanksgiving to like make the table nice and prep all this food. Why not go one extra step? It's not that big of a deal to make something that everybody can have and like satiate everybody. And maybe next Thanksgiving, this is like, you know, for your ear for next Thanksgiving or for your Christmas celebration, just consider everybody or Hanukkah. Or Kwanzaa. Or Hana, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. I mean, all of it. New Year's Eve, Lounge. any of it. Yeah. So that's all. I That was my PSA today because it really made me sad. And it's not that hard anymore. It used to be. It used to be hard to try to find ingredients or try to figure it out. But come on, YouTube, like Instagram, TikTok, everybody's got recipes. Even the friggin' grocery clerk, they can give you their recipe. So True. I'm just saying, um, think about it. This moment has been brought to you by No Simple Road and Melanie. (laughs) (laughs) The more you know. The more you know. Yeah. Well, but seriously, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. And 
Remember what Apple said? Go to Phil Hanley, or Mel said it, actually. Go to philhanley.com. Check out those tour dates. Go watch the the special Ooh La La on YouTube. And, yeah, laugh because it's important. It's, it's more important than ever in the ever-changing world that we live in today with its nuances and weirdness that you laugh. Because if you ain't laughing, you're crying, and that sucks. Yep. So, love you guys. We will be back on Monday with more stuff and things. Smile this stranger. Safety third, hydrate, eat leftovers, go do stuff, shop, drop, roll. roll. <laughs> Definitely roll. <laughs> and we'll see you on Monday. Love you. Peace. tell you about the april may 2023 issue of relics magazine features a dave matthews band cover story with additional articles and interviews with the national graham nash wayne shorter alo ivan neville our friend eric krasno and stanton moore marty stewart and much more check out the latest version of relics and subscribe now at relics.com dmb thanks relics What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.